Almost 30, what's up? Welcome back to the podcast. We're so glad you're here. Hi, everybody. We should do a sweatshirt. So glad you're here. Yeah, I, it's That's true. That's actually We're, sweet. I'm Mr. Rogers of <laughs> podcasting. I have, a, I have a phrase. I like so it. So glad you're here. No, I like it. I mean, we what both do it. What do some people it. say? Like, Elizabeth April's like, hi, beautiful beings of light. Yes. She's like, hello, all you beautiful beings of, of light. light. Ralph Smart is like, infinite waters diving deep. <laughs> He's like, deep dive. Deep dive. He's like, take that, take that, take that. It's like, he's like, good, or he's like, good energy. He says something like, infinite waters diving deep, <laughs> sending you positive vibrations. Take that, take that, take that. It is kind of like, it is. You feel ooh, it. Well, I think trancy, with him, I love so him. we're talking about Ralph Smart, who you guys can find on Instagram. We're trying to get him on the show, but he also, it is, it is really, it's almost like going deeper into layers of your brain. Yes. So it's like there's um, a hypnotic aspect to yes. it. And then there's like, he then he gives you the information. Mm-hmm. So it's like, inf- so it's like diving deep. So you're like, okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. We're going deep. I'm in this. Yes. I can receive. What does Phil Good say? Uh, oh, he says, <laughs> good morning. He said, good morning. Light beings? No, yeah, it's like... Dude, he posted a video today. I was crying laughing because he he used to be like a singer-musician of sorts. Love. And made a music video. And it was just... I love... Okay, this is what I love. When people just have so many lifetimes with... Good morning, everyone. He just says, good morning, everyone. I just woke up. (laughs) And I kept getting this message. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't follow Phil Good, it's a... It's a hell of a follow. Yeah, people who live so many lifetimes within one lifetime. Yes. It's cool. Yes. I just love seeing- That's like Natalia Benson. Yes, yes, Natalia Benson, our dear friend who's been on the pod before, we've been on hers as well, was a DJ for a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Those people are people I trust. I need you to have been, I need you to have lived a few lives. Completely. Yeah, I- and I'm sure you were you you felt this too. When I was in New York, I kind of had lived a, like doing the bartending thing, the fit modeling thing, the soul cycle, like whatever. And people are always like, "What's going on with you?" Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I'm like, like I'm you, good. Why aren't you a teacher? Why aren't you? A yeah, lawyer? or just like, just something. You're like, what's you know. So Nothing against the those next? things. They yeah. just want to explain it in one word. Yes, exactly. Like they could not wrap their head around what I was trying to do. And to be honest, I didn't know either. But that was like kind of the, I don't know. That was where my comfort was. I was mm-hmm. just like, okay. And same with like what we do. There's just like iterations of it that mm-hmm. are constantly. It's the one dimensional versus the multidimensional. Truly. <laughs> What do I say? Thinking, hey guys, hope you're doing well. No, you said. Oh, so glad you're so here. So glad you're here. I love yes. a sweatshirt like that. So desperate. Like, Hi, everybody. <laughs> so desperate. <laughs> hey guys, thank fucking God you're here. <laughs> we needed you. I'm going to make that sweatshirt. It's going to be Mr. Rogers vibe. I love it. Which was really beautiful, that documentary, if anyone saw oh, it. I watched on the plane. So good. It's another good one. So good. If anyone has any positive things to watch on. Actually, I'm done. I told Justin I'm done with TV. Oh, new rule? New rule. <laughs> He's like, if you say it's bad, it's bad. <laughs> He's like trying to use your He's, tactics. Yes. He's literally like, well, if you say that it's bad, it will be bad. Your emotions are moving. Yes. You. You're going- <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Why? What, tr- what triggered you to say, we're done with TV? We turned on something the other day. It was like a movie on Hulu. It was called something. And I was watching it and I was like, this is a waste of my fucking time. I just keep feeling, I'm like, this is a waste of my fucking time. Mm-hmm. Waste of my time. I don't need to be doing this. And also our cats don't like to be in, this is mostly it. Our cats, <laughs> this is 100%. Our cats mo- don't like to be in the living room when we're watching TV because it freaks them out. Yeah. So they'll sit out, out of the room and they'll meow because they're like scared of the energy. Oh, really? Isn't that weird? I know. Creeps me out. Wow. I know. Wow, also, so one of our cats is like a bully and eats all the other one's food. And now we have to like separate them. Oh my gosh. She's thick. <laughs> She's too thick with it. So we were like, we got to separate you guys. Got it. You're eating all of everyone's food. What are they eating lately for everyone out there? Mackerel. Mackerel. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Catch of the day. I just love saying mackerel. I'm like, all right, time for mackerel. <laughs> Catch of the day. Just rolls off the tongue. Oh, I'm excited about this one. We've been talking about dreams so much. I've been talking about this a lot on my Instagram and with the community. And I know in our within our community, a lot of people have been talking about and sharing their experiences with their dreams in 2020. Because everyone's felt a lot of stress and anxiety this year with so much change and transition and just a lot going on. Um, People have been dreaming a lot more. People have been recalling their dreams a lot more. And um, at the beginning of this year, I think it was in February or March, I was watching Gaia with Justin and I found Charlie Morley, who's on the show today on one of the shows that I watch regularly. And by implementing his practices for lucid dreaming, I've been able to really, really use dreaming as a key for healing and as a really, really profound way to... um, Uh, reprogram my subconscious to just like tap into my galactic side, to tap into my ethereal side, to tap into other parts and aspects of me that would be much harder to reach in my conscious state. Yeah. I haven't done any healing in my dreams yet, but I've been able to recall dreams so much better. Um, and even since we we did this interview, just doing the practices before bed that he suggests to be able to more better to recall your dreams in a more detailed way. Um, and what I've been noticing, I've been even just last night, I've been having dreams where people who have come in and out of my life and not not necessarily in a uh, a deep relationship type of way. But what I'm noticing is, is that these are people that had more of an impact on me and were really powerful, but I didn't realize it in the mm. moment. So this girl from college who I always just like, she was in the theater department with me and just had so many interests and she was, you know, an activist. And I remember admiring her, but just understanding that, you know, her presence was like really powerful and I'm sure continues to be. I've lost touch with her, but it was just interesting that she kind of came back and that's happened recently with just people from my past where I'm almost like, huh, they're just like really amazing people. And I might, might not have realized it back then, but yeah. Love that. In my ayahuasca experience, I had, I went through everybody's heart that I had broken. Mm. And there was a lot in there that I don't think about. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that we had that deep of a connection. And it was like that. I was like, oh, that was, I forgot about that emotional relationship. Yeah. And also on the people, I have so many people like that in my life that have said something that was like so small, but so profound. Mm. 
I'll never forget my best friend. One of my best friends growing up, his name was Brandon. And we were in eighth, we were in high school. And there was another girl that went to our high school that would always, she was in some of my classes. And she'd always say, you know, Brandon's cool, but he's changed so much. And I remember I told Brandon, I was like, Brandon, Lauren kept saying, keeps saying how much you've changed. And he's like, I've known her since first grade. I'm now in 10th grade. Of course I've changed. And it was just like, okay, it, Brandon. it was, he was very, he was very cool. That's he was amazing. very cool. He was very honest, very honest with me. Um, but it was just one of those things like, you're so fucking right. I was like, it's so true. And then another girl, one time her name was Megan. She was older than me. I was talking about something and they're all girls were talking about how they hated their feet. And she's like, feet are cool. They like hold us up all day long. I was like, wow, it's so true. It's so true. You know, I was like, dude, feet are cool. They hold us up all day long. Another sweatshirt idea. Another sweatshirt <laughs> idea. And just those tiny moments yeah. of like awakening or of profound information that mm -hmm. you just never forget. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. But anyways, back to dreams. Yeah. And then I've been having um, just like weird sexual dreams that I don't really care about. I'm like, mm. why am I here? Mm. <laughs> You're like, check YouTube for her facial mm -hmm. reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just like, why am I here? What's happening? It's almost like I'm taking on other people. So this particular one that I had it was with someone that I'm like, okay, whatever. But like a lot of other people think he's like hot. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> which is so funny because everyone's like, hmm, Ryan Gosling. Like, I know, everyone's it's not thinking that. it's literally someone like someone I had like a meeting with or something. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, why am I here? I'm like, oh, fuck, everyone, everyone on our else team thinks he's hot. Yeah, I'm like, everyone else thinks he's hot. Like, go go to their dreams. I don't know why we're here right now. He mm -hmm. <laughs> could come on to mine. <laughs> just kidding but yeah I was talking to Charlie too about having like sex dreams yeah. and having those deep connection dreams um, we talked about having nightmares the importance of nightmares what dreams mean like are dreams aspects of yourself or are they another world that we can tap into we talk about how to lucid dream how you can heal in lucid dream and I also loved that we talked a lot about the shadow Mm -hmm. So he's a student of Carl Jung. Um, he was a monk for actually a, a long time. And that's really where he did a lot of his lucid dreaming, healing and work. But um, in studying Carl Jung, he's really dove into the shadow. So this is a lot on shadow work as well. Yeah. And he has so many books. So if this interests you and you like to just explore lucid dreaming and healing in your dreams and shadow work, um, you can find out more about Charlie Morley and all of his books and online courses at charliemorley.com. I'm pumped about this one. Thanks, Same. Charlie. It's such a good one. So if you and your friends have been talking about your dreams, how crazy they are, or if you know anyone that always recalls their dreams or wants to get to know their dreams more, definitely send this episode to them. I think this one is so fascinating. I was enthralled the entire time, which is hard when it's over Zoom, but I really, really love this interview. Yeah, he's just so, he's he's charming, yes. he's charismatic, he's just so articulate. Tells good stories. Great stories. Yes. You guys are going to love this one. Enjoy. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're called to, that means a lot to us. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Yep. Bye. Bye. 
Um, so I actually have been, I binged a lot of your stuff on Gaia probably a few months ago. You had the interview with Regina that I felt like was just oh, yeah. so incredible. And I was so attracted to you, not only because you're so knowledgeable, but also like you have amazing energy. You speak so well. You're so interesting. The way you tell stories is so profound. And I was like, oh, this would be perfect for a podcast because oh, I love Gaia, but sometimes it can be, <laughs> it's hard to find like a really great charismatic cat like yourself. So- <laughs> <laughs> really looking forward to this conversation. Um, almost 30, our community, they're people mostly going through their Saturn return. So they're in their late 20s, early 30s. Right. And one of the things that we talk about quite frequently is dreams. And whether that's in our secret Facebook group or in DMs or online, a lot of the women have been experiencing a lot of dreams, especially during this time in 2020, during the pandemic. So during our conversation- Definitely. I, I, I mean, 2020 plus your Saturn returns, you're going to have some crazy freaking dreams. Oh, okay. Yes. Well then let's let's start there. I want to get into your story because I really love it too, but what I guess what changes about your dreams during your Saturn return that um, our community can know about? Well, it's not so much that dreams change, but your mind changes, right? So we spend a lot of time going to therapists. I mean, I'm one of them, right? Going to therapists saying, what's going on in here? What's, you know, pointing to our heads, what's going on in here? Actually, if you want to know what's going on in here, look at your dreams. Like who are you secretly in love with? Look at your dreams. What childhood stuff still traumatizing you? Look at your dreams. What anxieties from life are you worried about happening in the future? Look to your dreams. You know, the, the dreams show us who we really are. So it's not so much that Saturn return, that, that the period of your Saturn returns will lead to crazy dreams, but that, that the crazy mental state that often we're in as we go through this transitional time and any transitional time will have an effect on our dreams. So it's, it, it, it makes so much sense to look at your dreams. If, if we're doing the self-development work, if we're doing this kind of self-inquiry work, if we're, if we're any, in any sort of therapeutic uh, dialogue with another, we're trying to find out who we are, essentially. And the better we know ourselves, the better we can know others, the better we can love others. And, and this is how it, it blossoms into something brilliant. And one of the best ways to know yourself is look at your dreams. Yeah. So I, I keep dream diaries since I was like 17. And sometimes I'll go back and check them like 28, 29. And I'm like, oh yeah, that was what was going on then. You know, you can see the dreams changing. Wow. What about the the connection between the brain and the body and how we hold on to, like you said, trauma and how that shows up in our dreams? Can we kind of like connect the dots on on that? Yeah, totally. That's what my new, my new book's about, actually. It's about stress and trauma-affected sleep patterns. And a lot of it is looking at breath and body work because it seems like the dreams are like a litmus test. Like you can tell if trauma has been integrated by a change in dreams. So the person may not even be aware the trauma has been integrated. I mean, they might have an experience. Let's say they're doing some breath work, or some body work. They have a big release in a session and they go, oh, wow, you know, something shifted there. But they may not be fully kind of, they may not have fully bought into the fact that change has occurred. But that night when they have that dream where something shifts, it's like, oh, there's, there's the confirmation. I mean, I remember I had it myself with my dad. I've been doing a lot of work on my relationship with my dad in the waking state, right? And I had a big, what seemed like a big insight in the waking state and actually a release in my body, a kind of shaking in my body. And I was like, oh, wow, I think this is definitely related to this work I'm doing with my dad right now. Up to that point, all of my dreams with my dad, he'd always appear as like really big, like massive and really aggressive. And that night for the first time in my life, the first dream I can ever remember where my dad was normal size and we were sitting by the river and he was feeding me little sandwiches. Like I was a bird. He was like feeding, like taking little bits of sandwich off and like feeding me from a picnic. And that was it. That was the dream. No big insight, but I knew it. I, was, I knew it. 
that was the confirmation mm -hmm. that some trauma had been integrated because look at the way my father now shows up in my dreams. You know, when I dream of my dad, it's not really about my dad. It's about what my dad represents to me. It's about my relationship with my father. So I could see that energetically, the symbolic representation of my father had shifted because of that body work. So again, look to your dreams. Let's say you're doing like an eight-week mindfulness course. You get to week four and some people are saying, oh my God, I'm having these amazing experiences. I feel so calm and blissed out and stuff. And you're sitting in the corner going, dude, like nothing's happening. Okay, maybe it's not happening. It's only week four. But if you look at your dreams, if you've got everyone to keep a dream diary from the beginning of that eight-week mindfulness course to the end, I am sure you would find the shift in their dreams often way before the shift happens in the waking state. So it can happen the other way too. Dreams can be indicative of, of trauma integration. They can also kind of, um, some prior knowledge. I was going to say prophecy, actually, that's too mm. much. But some prior knowledge of when trauma may be integrated. Mm. Sorry, so, long answer. No, no, it. no it's perfect. It's in, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I've had the situation where it's let me know that a trauma has been integrated. I yes. was like terrified of ghosts and the paranormal. I had mm. like a weird channeling experience. I had a few weird channeling experiences when I was younger, when I was so open and I really wasn't protecting myself. And so as I got older, I would just be traumatized in my dreams of ghosts and haunted houses and just mm. forever mm. until, you know, I realized and really started to work with energy and started to lucid dream and could now protect myself or be big energetically enough to like, be active in participation with the energies or the spirits and almost like fend them off with like my energy. So it was like, okay, this trauma has been integrated and it feels really good to be like really powerful in my dreams and really protect myself. Yeah. And then recently I've been really working with the concept of being a healer and doing Reiki and stuff publicly rather than just on myself. And last night in my dream, I got a permission slip from this alien that was like, you are a healer. It was like my my healer Brilliant. permission slip, which was like really beautiful. So it was like the trauma integration and then the the prophecy kind of thing. Um, Did but, you say it came from an alien? Uh -huh. Okay, so this is interesting. So if we work from the base, okay, we could work from the base, it was actually an alien. But if we work from a different basis of everything in the dream being you, what do you think the alien represented? Like what, what are aliens to you? I think, I believe in aliens first and foremost. So I actually believe it probably was an alien visitation. You know, I kind of believe that could have been it. But in, in my belief of what aliens are, it's almost like it could be a higher version of myself. You know, it could be myself in a different like dimension or reality. And I've actually never really thought deeply about what it is because I've always kind of thought that either I was visiting an alien planet or it was an actual alien. Yeah. I mean, it could be. It could be. But, you know, the, the dream's highly egotistical. Like 99.9% .9 of the time, everything is you in the dream. Oh, like occasionally you can have like the one, what I call the 1% which where things can literally enter through the permeate, the partially permeable membrane of the dream. Um, but it's rare, so it may have been an alien. And sometimes I'm, I, I, I go far out on them. Oh, isn't that so cool that we can actually have those? And then other time I think, actually, I think the other view is possibly even more far out. The fact that it's my own inner alien. You know, mm -hmm. what, what might that might represent to me? The part of myself that's on another planet. Mm -hmm. And that part of me came to me and said, here's your permission. Mm -hmm. As if like my waking state self maybe still felt unworthy to do so but my like alien these higher intelligences within me came and gave me this permission slip mm -hmm. who knows man it's, yeah. it's it's 
That's like with anything. Like dreams, right? Any ascended masters or aliens or anything like that. It's like, it's all a part of source. So we just kind of see it in different ways. You know, depending on your culture, where you grew up, you could see, you could see Jesus or you could see Buddha or you could see all these different things. And it's really all just like a part of source. And I feel like because our brains are a computer, we kind of contextualize it as we would most best understand from our understanding of everything. So it's all a part of the same thing. It's just how our brain is choosing to like compute it and make sense of it for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think the higher self will manifest in a way that best communicates with the person being spoken to. So it might appear as a dead relative. It might appear Mm -hmm. as Jesus. It might appear as, as Buddha. It'll appear in like the best form in the form of optimum communication. You said that in our dreams, they're 99% egotistical. How can we like work with the ego in that way? Like kind of bring it to this now moment and kind of work with it to Great. integrate yeah. it. So I'm being more. a little bit cheeky there saying that 99% of everything, <laughs> no, that's true. 99% of everything in dream is a reflection of our own mind. But to say it's like super egotistical, I'm kind of joking there, but I mean, it is as in the dreams always about us. You know, I think, oh, I'm dreaming about my dad. I'm dreaming about my mom. I'm dreaming about my friends. Most of the time, we're not. We're dreaming about what our mom represents to us, what our dad represents to us, what what an alien might represent to us. So I think as far as like looking at the ego, you can see you can see the state of it. I mean, look at fear. Like one of the easiest ways to find ego is to look at fear. So we can look at what are we scared of in our dreams? What do we, what do we have aversion towards and what do we have attachment towards? And if we look at attachment and aversion in the dreams, we get a pretty solid kind of, guideline or pointer towards where our ego is, what's scaring us and what's making us want more of something. These are the kind of ways we can, we can check in with our ego. And it's really interesting to see if we start to do work on who we are, who are on our kind of sense of self and moving from fragile ego to, to supportive, to healthy ego. And we'll see that change. We'll see these dreams of anxiety shift. We'll see our fears change. It may not be as, you know, people imagine that when this work, that the, the fruition of this work is peaceful dreams. Actually, it's not. I mean, there are some Buddhist practices where when you're doing the practice, having a nightmare when you're doing it is a really good sign. It's like, oh, you had a nightmare while you did this practice. Great. It's really working because a nightmare is a sign of these kind of old traumas, old, old fears like coming to the surface and being, um, being presented to us. So it's not, as, it's not as clear cut as, you know, peaceful dreams mean you're doing great on this health ego work and scary dreams mean, oh no, you're still totally lost in ego and often be completely the other way around. Mm. For the, I guess, how would that, what's an example of like, some, how would someone would understand if they have the fragile ego and then the healthy ego within their dreams? Like how could they differentiate if it wouldn't be differentiated by nightmares or good dreams? I think rather than looking so much at the content of the dream, we can look at the feeling when we wake up. So because the content can often be so easily misinterpreted, so we could see a nightmare and think that's a bad dream, I'd say to look at the kind of the, the somatic resonance when you wake from a dream. Because mm. you can have a dream like I some of the somatic resonance in my body is mm. sometimes more disturbing after one of those just annoying anxiety dreams where you like can't find your passport or something. These kind of like, uh, or you're running for the bus or, you know, those, those kind of old anxiety dreams. That will have more of an effect on me somatically than a massive nightmare. Like I'm awake from a massive nightmare and I actually feel quite kind of clear afterwards, mm. almost as if it was the storm that like blew the dust through my mind. And I wake for a nightmare and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm ready for this. Yeah, I just spent the night with my shadow and now we're good to go. Mm. Whereas kind of, for me, anxiety dreams, those kind of lower level anxiety, they, they leave more of a, of a like somatic resonance in my body. So I say, mm. look at the feeling. People say, you know, what did you dream about? Say, what did you, how did you feel about what did, 
what you dreamt about? That's a really good question to mm. check in with like, how, how's, how's my dream work progressing? Mm. Or how's the dream work? How's the dream reflecting the inner work? Anytime that I've woken up from a dream and had just like a really strong emotional response, it almost feels as though like it's the unexpressed emotion that I mm-hmm. could have expressed in the moment that it happened. Usually it's like, I've had a lot with like my grandpa who passed and I'll wake up just like, it's like that aching for him or like aching to like, I heard his voice and it's just like this ache, but it's almost like I, I really, I don't think at the time I really expressed the grief. And so it kind of comes through or comes up through the dreams. And then when I'm awake, it's just kind of like this clearing, as you said. Yeah. You know, that's why lucid dreaming could be really helpful for that because you could intentionally you know, go in the dream and call out for your, for your grandpa. You've mm-hmm. already had a dream connection with, so there's already that kind of pathway laid and allow you to go into a grieving process, but maybe complete the grieving process. Right. Who knows? It, yeah. It's a possibility. Using kind of your, your method, I've tried to lucid dream. I've come close, but I get to the point where like, I know it and then I wake up. So um, I'd love to just kind of introduce people to what lucid dreaming is and kind of the steps they could take maybe tonight when they uh, go to sleep to to start practicing. Okay, so first of all, you did, that was a lucid dream. If you had a lucid dream, most people's first few lucid dreams last like five seconds. Mm-hmm. They're like in the dream, they see something crazy. Like, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, oh my God, so cool. Boom, and you wake up and you're like, whoa, what was that? That was insane. So my job is really helping people to extend that five second period into like, five minutes or 50 minutes. 50 minutes is about the longest time you're going to dream anyway. So if people have had that experience, then that that did count as a lucid dream. So that's brilliant. Um, other people's spontaneous experience of lucid dreams often come from nightmares. So if anyone listening's ever had a nightmare and in the nightmare, they've gone, I've got to wake up, I've got to wake up. That was a lucid dream. The moment you said to yourself, I've got to wake up, you'd indirectly acknowledge you were asleep. So a little footnote, because I, I want to get back to your original question, but if that ever does happen, that you find yourself knowing you're in a nightmare, don't wake up. Stay in the nightmare for as long as you can. The reason nightmares recur compared to more seemingly positive dreams is because we wake from them. They're incomplete. We, and then in the waking state, we reject them. We don't want to look at them. So a nightmare is like a dream that's shouting. So it keeps shouting, keeps on coming back to us. So the best way to cure a nightmare is actually to stay in it. Like the seeing is the doing. Just mm-hmm. stay in it for as long as you can, knowing you know, I'm not really back in this scary place or I'm not really in the zombie apocalypse. I'm dreaming about the, these scary things. And that in itself can have a really powerful deconditioning effect on the mind and also prime the mind for being fearless in the waking state. Mm-hmm. You know, if you spent your lucid dreams like literally hugging zombies, which is what I encourage people to do in their lucid dream, because if everything in the dream is you, what is a zombie? It's, um, oh, wow, for Saturn Returns, People find they have a lot of zombie dreams around this time, which is very interesting. And it took me ages to get this. I don't think I've written in the book yet, in any of my books yet, because it's a new kind of theory I'm working with. And I'm just spitballing here, but I think there might be something to this. I believe the reason why so many people around like 28, 29, 30 have zombie dreams. I used to think it was just a cultural thing of watching zombie movies. Now I realize I get older, it's not, because that same age group is still having those same dreams. If we think of what is a zombie... A zombie is something that used to be alive, but is now dead and yet still animated. It's got enough consciousness to be like animated, like walking around your dream. And I think that sounds like an old habit to me. 
Mm. You know, an old habit from childhood, an old I'm not good enough program, an old lack of self-worth program, which is dead, but it's still like it's the living dead. It's still kind of walking around our dream. So if you're ever in a lucid dream or a non-lucid dream, you see a zombie, hug it. Mm. Because what could be better, a better symbol of love and acceptance, not endorsement, but love and acceptance than the hug. So yeah, hug your zombies. Anyway, sorry, back to I love your it. question. <laughs> I'm like, but aren't that they kind of dirty? I've like, never had a zombie, have you? <laughs> mm, not that I can remember, no. I would think it would represent like the unconscious, like the unconscious, mm. you know, within me or even in Saturn Return, it would be interesting because it's like, I feel like it's an awakening period for so many people where you're kind of yeah. like shedding a lot of programming. Mm-hmm. So it's almost exactly. like the shedded programming that you're really yeah. releasing in, as you awaken. Yeah, and it's zombified, it's dead. Like a zombie yeah. isn't alive. So that process happened, but it's still kind of animated. Mm-hmm. And we still have a aversion to it. We're still kind of scared of these zombies. Anyway, write in the in the chat box, wherever you're listening to this, if you've had a zombie <laughs> dream, let's see if we can prove my theory right. <laughs> Lucky I haven't put it in my book if I was like, no, I never have zombie dreams. So your question was about what is lucid dreaming? So, um, I mean, this is cool because we basically covered it in our, in our discussion here, but a lucid dream is a dream where you know you're dreaming as the dream is happening. So it's not just a really vivid dream. So like if people wonder like, oh, I had this really, really kind of vivid, colorful dream. Was that lucid? I'll always say in the dream, did you have the realization? Oh, wow, this is all a dream. Did you have the aha moment? Because that's what makes it lucid. And that aha moment actually has like neural correlates. So if you get people to have a lucid dream in a brain scanner, which they have managed to do over in Germany, you actually see the part of the brain light up when someone becomes lucid. And it's super cool because... You see their brain, there's loads of activity in the back part of the brain, as you would expect for dreaming, where the visual cortex is, because dreams are so visual, right? The front part of the brain, especially the prefrontal cortex, in most people's non-lucid dreams, is completely offline. And the scientists believe the prefrontal cortex is linked to the sense of self, the sense of I am having experience, and crucially, the sense of agency, like choosing to do stuff. And because in most people's dreams, they have this decreased blood flow to their sense of self part of the brain. That's why you can dream you're a man if you're a woman, a woman if you're a man, and dream you're a kid when you're an adult, um, because you have this flexible sense of self. When you become lucid and you have that moment of, oh, wow, this is all a dream, like you see the front part of the brain is light up the prefrontal cortex, which makes total sense because now I'm like, oh, I am Charlie and I am having a lucid dream. And I'm a sense of self and then I'm choosing to fly through the sky or whatever I want to do. So agency switches on. So it is like a, it has a neural correlate. So lucid dreaming is for real. And the cool thing about when that happens is that when the prefrontal cortex switches on, neuroplasticity becomes engaged, which is like the brain's capacity to rewire itself in favor of a newly learned skill. Now, in non-lucid dreaming, that's not engaged. So you can spend your whole non, non-lucid dream life dreaming of soccer. You're not going to get any better at soccer. However, if you get lucid, and then in the lucid dream, you go, oh, wow, I'm, I'm in a dream right now. This is all a three-dimensional projection of my own mind. I know my body's asleep in bed. You can even think like, what time is it? I woke up to pee at like four and I fell asleep doing that special lucid dreaming technique that dude taught me. Oh yeah, so it's probably about 4.30 in the morning now, you know, full access to waking state memory. And you can think, what did I want to do? Oh, well, I heard that neuroplasticity is engaged, so I want to get really good at soccer. So you could then choose to practice like penalties or play soccer in your lucid dream. And scientific studies have shown if you do that, you actually get better at soccer. So they can like test skills in the waking state then teach you lucid dreaming, get you to do it in the lucid dream, and then check if you get better. Um, and I was part of one of these studies, a martial arts study. They, we had to do this like kickboxing sequence and then go and do it in the lucid dream. And then they checked if we got any better. And 81.3% of participants got better at martial arts by training in their lucid dream. 
I embarrassingly was one of the 19% that actually didn't get any better. No way. The dream guy. I was like, oh no, I'm the guy who wrote the book about it. I totally messed it up. You're like, I'm going to crush this. Do a lot of athletes learn to lucid dream? I wouldn't say a lot, but yeah. I mean, there's like an ice hockey guy from Canada at the moment who wants some one-on-ones because he's heard of the science. Cool. It's... uh, most of the control can when they'd run the control against lucid dreaming they use visualized uh, sorry imaginary rehearsal which has been used since the 80s by olympic athletes and stuff you know you're you're on the uh, start line you're visualizing the perfect sprint uh, and they've shown you can have like 50% effectiveness of just imagining something oh and even on muscle growth you can have up to 15% increase in muscle mass by imagining lifting heavy weights with your biceps i mean that's insane wow so they use that as the control Lucid dreaming goes way beyond that because, of course, you're in an absolute visualization. You can't get more visualized state than the lucid dream, so the, the numbers get up. But for, for athletes to take the time to learn lucid dreaming, to be honest, it's probably easier they just do visualized training, where the percentage increase is less, but it's much easier to do. However, if there was time and space for athletes to like learn to lucid dream, and it might take like two, three months to stabilize your practice, then yeah. They could, I mean, the, the, the science is in, you can get better at stuff. And anything else too, you know, it's not just sports. Like imagine practic- practicing kindness in a lucid dream. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, imagine like practicing fearlessness. Imagine practicing your meditation. Imagine practicing compassion. Imagine meeting your, your dead grandfather and going through that grieving process and releasing, you know, saying what needs to be said. When you do that in a lucid dream, it's not only deeply healing, but the brain's rewiring itself for that. The brain doesn't think you're awake. The brain doesn't think you're asleep. It thinks you're awake. So it actually thinks you've integrated that trauma or you've done that sport or whatever. So it can have a really powerful effect on the brain. And it thinks you're awake because the prefrontal cortex is activated? Yes. Okay. So isn't that cool? We think that wakefulness is dependent on having our eyes open. Yeah. Or I did. I was like, how limiting is that? Awake doesn't require, like consciousness doesn't require your eyes to be open. Consciousness is an internal state that may be mediated by the brain, maybe not. Depends whether you're into that kind of scientific reduction list or, or something else. But isn't that cool to think you can actually be awake while you're asleep? Because wakefulness is not dependent on, you know, consciousness, sorry, is not dependent on actually being awake. Wow. I mean, it gets it gets very matrix yes. very quickly when you look at lucid dreaming. Which I like. <laughs> um, so just to, to make sure, I'm sure. So for people that are trying to get into lucid dreaming, I remember with Regina, you were saying to, during the day, ask yourself, am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Oh yeah, you wanted some tips. Yes. Yeah. yeah, tips on okay, how. Okay, so let's look at what I call the three Ds, which is basically like the three kind of intro techniques, which is perfect for something like this, where you're just kind of planting the seeds. The first one is dream recall. So unless you regularly remember your dream, it's going to be pretty tough to lucid dream. Um, it's possible, like people can have spontaneous lucid dreams, but if you, if you want to be able to do it at will, then the first thing is to start remembering your dreams. This is simply because, I mean, some people like to say, if you don't remember your dreams, maybe you're lucid dreaming every night, you can't remember it. It's possible, but unlikely. Because again, once the brain switches on, lucid dream memories are stored as if they're waking state memories. So quite hard to forget a lucid dream. Once you've had one, you'll know it. Like I often tell people, they say, oh, how will I know when I had one? I'm like, because you'll email me. You'll be like, <laughs> oh no, it happened. My God, you didn't say it was this realistic. I'm like, I did, I did. But <laughs> when you have a fully lucid dream, you'll, you'll know about it. So first thing is to remember your dreams, partly because one of the main lucid dreaming techniques is called 
dream sign initiated lucid dreaming, which is basically you're in the dream, you see something weird and you go, oh, wow, that can't happen in real life. I must be dreaming. Now, the best way to prime the mind for that is to get to know what you're dreaming about. So if you train your dream recall and you keep a dream diary, after like maybe one or two weeks of keeping a dream diary, you'll be able to look back and say, oh, wow, look, I always dream of being back at school. Or wow, I always dream of my dead grandma. Or oh, I always dream of like being on that beach we used to go to as a kid, but I haven't been to in like 20 years. You start to see these patterns emerging that only happen in your dreams. And by being aware of those patterns, you informally, just by being aware of them, and then before night, formally by saying like, if I see that beach from childhood between now and breakfast, I must be dreaming. You create these lucidity triggers. And it's those triggers that will go off in the dream. You'll, literally, you'll, you'll be dreaming. You'll be on that beach and you'll have this weird sense of almost deja vu. And then suddenly something clicks. You're like, I'm on the beach from childhood. Oh, that's one of my dream signs. But no way, I'm in a dream right now. It's like the brain kind of clicks in and you realize you're dreaming. So this first one is dream recall. Um, So train yourself to remember your dreams. For people who are thinking like, oh, I don't dream, everybody dreams. You dream every single night. Um, It's just whether whether we remember our dreams or not. Um, You can't stop a human brain from dreaming. It's linked so closely to our human evolution and survival that even if you were to miss like a night's sleep, then when you eventually go back to sleep, you have double the dream periods, not double the deep sleep or double the light sleep, double the dream. If you miss two nights sleep and then you go to sleep eventually, you'll have triple the dream periods, not triple the deep sleep or triple the light sleep. So dream is like prioritized. So you are dreaming every single night if you get it. Actually, not straight from the beginning, but most of our dreams are in the second half. So you're definitely dreaming. Maybe you just don't remember. Why don't we remember? Sometimes it's just because when did we last try? And people are like, oh, it's just because I thought I didn't dream. So like I wasn't even trying to try. So tonight, try. Like sit on the edge of your bed and go, okay, listen to this podcast. I kind of want to prove this guy wrong because I swear I don't dream. Okay, so if I dream tonight, I'm going to remember it. I've had people do that. And then they're like, oh, wow, it totally worked. I, I did remember my dreams. But even better is as you fall asleep tonight, you're going to pass through this state called the hypnagogic state, which is like, you know, your eyes are closed. You're feeling really drowsy. You might get the little mini dream, the sense of heaviness in your body. You can still hear the sounds in the room. You can still feel your body in the bed, but you're moving into sleep. That's called the hypnagogic state. And as you can see from the term, like hypno, it's close to a state of hypnosis. See, the brainwaves are the same, like deep alpha and theta, which are very similar to hypnotherapy brainwaves. So because you're in this natural state of hypnosis, you implant a hypnotic suggestion. You basically hypnotize yourself to remember your dreams. So as you're falling asleep, you're saying over and over again to yourself, tonight, I remember my dreams. I have excellent dream recall. Tonight, I remember my dreams. I have excellent dream recall. You want to do it the traditional Buddhist way, you'll do it 21 times. You can count on your fingers or use a prayer bead or whatever, but whatever, a few minutes as you're falling asleep. So that's the first deep. Second, the I mentioned already, dream diaries. So writing down your dreams in some way. You could use your iPhone. You could use a, a notebook. You could use an iPad, but often they're really bright and you want to kind of avoid blue spectrum light at night. So iPads aren't so good. But uh, yeah, you could use your phone. Or you could write it down. And you don't have to write down everything. Think about like reviewing a movie. Like if your friend was like, oh, what happened in, what's the last movie? I saw Tenet. Actually, Tenet's a terrible example because it's so complex. But let's say I, I saw a more simple movie and you asked me what it was about. It's, oh, it's a boy meets girl. Then this happened. They have an adventure. Then this and that. You'll give the rough outline. So you can do this with your dream. Just five minutes in the morning. So that's the second D, dream diary. And the third one I mentioned already too is dream signs. By keeping the dream diary, you start to see these patterns. 
oh, wow, I always dream I'm naked in public. Right? I always dream I'm in that exam room. I always dream of my childhood home. You start to find these things that only happen in your dreams. And then you start to learn. So, you know, childhood home equals dreaming. You know, I haven't been there for 20 years. So if I'm in that house again, I'm definitely dreaming. And this worked with a friend of mine just the other day. Like she, she had read some of my book and then very sweetly said, um, yeah, I just stopped at like chapter two because I didn't get it. And I was like, oh, oh no. And, uh, you know, I'm like my ego shattered. I'm like, oh no. And that was like the basic book where I'm really trying to make sure everyone can get it. She said, it's just because I haven't had the experience. I can't imagine it. It's like, it's like you're describing the taste of chocolate to me, but I just need to taste the chocolate. And I said, to her, okay, well, look, um, do you ever dream of the same thing? And she's like, oh, tornadoes, dude, like every week or every couple of weeks, I dream of tornadoes. What does it mean? I was like, I don't know what it means. You don't need to know what it means either. But what you do need to know is tornadoes equal dream. Have you ever been in a tornado? She's like, no. Have you ever seen a tornado? No. Okay. So if you witness a tornado, you must be in a dream, right? So she's like, okay. So set that in your head. Tornadoes equal dreams. And then a few nights later, well, I woke up. I put my WhatsApp on in the morning and there was a message came from her at like four o'clock in the morning. Going, it happened, it happened. I saw the tornado. I remembered our conversation and I knew I was dreaming. And I was like, okay, that's classic. So that's how these three Ds work. Dream recall, dream diaries, and dream sites. I mean, there are dozens of more advanced techniques in my books and stuff, but those are good three to start with. Love that. Mm. I used to have a lot of tornado dreams too. Really? Yeah. I don't know what that is. I never did, even in Ohio. I, really? It's like, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen one before. Yeah. Oh, wow. Same. <laughs> no. And I would always be like saving people and then I couldn't get my dog. Oh. You know? You're like, all right. That's, that's, that's class. And was your dog, your dog existed? It was a real life dog? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked into it, but it just felt like anxiety and like overextending myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But and still never saving enough. Myself. Yeah, but still never enough. <laughs> so you're not enough. So interesting. People have like the tsunami dreams. I yeah. have. Like, I have right those. Like, I just started a new job. A full like, series of like, um, like apocalypse dreams. I had the mm. tsunami dream. I had the earthquake dream. I had the alien invasion dream. I had the they're censoring us dream. It has been so interesting. Mm. It's like this layers of it, which has been so interesting. But I want to talk a little bit about- have you been able to see patterns emerging when you have those dreams? Um, In those, yeah. In the alien one and in the book, in the alien one, aliens came and, and I was the only person that was like, everyone after the aliens came was acting like everything was normal and wasn't recognizing that aliens came and acting like it didn't happen. Oh, yeah. And then- um. In the books one, we were hiding books in the yeah. walls. It was like Fahrenheit 451 and the cops were coming because they were censoring us. And it was like, I'm the only person that is conscious of what's going on kind of feeling. You know, I'm saying that in quotes. But tsunami and earthquake, I just gave up on life and was like, I'm going to per- perish. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have got great dream lives. No, sometimes I speak to people and they're like, I haven't remembered a dream for 10 mm. years. And I'm like, oh, this conversation is going to go honestly, slow. Honestly, <laughs> I know, honestly. Yeah, you're like, what are dreams? No, honestly, our first, when I saw your thing on Gaia, it really helped me. And I've mm. really used a lot of the techniques like every time I see a ghost, I know I'm in a dream. Or every time I see water, I know I'm in a dream. So I really Perfect. have leveraged those. 
Also, what's helped that I wanted to ask you about is supplements. There's these, I've taken some different brands that have these like mushroom CBD supplements. And I felt like I've really noticed my ability to get into a very vivid, lucid state of dreaming when I take sup- these supplements before bed. Um, what are, do you do that? Does that actually help? Is it proven? And then what do you suggest for folks as far as like diet and supplement regime that would help them get into a healing, lucid state of dreaming? Great question. With the mushrooms, where they're like kind of reishi and chaga mm-hmm. mushrooms and stuff like that. Yes, like they brain were. boosters. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. So all of that, the stuff in the um all the kind of neuro boosters, the natural neuro boosters, whether they be mushrooms or C12 mm. enzymes, not C20 enzyme, whatever mm-hmm. it's called, anything that boosts the brain. If you have it in the morning, that's great because you'll have a, a day of boosted brain capacity. If you take it last thing at night, then of course that brain capacity or that um, you know increased blood flow to the prefrontal cortex is going to come into your dream. So there's some argument that that can be a good idea. Whether or not that's actually working or whether it's the placebo effect, who knows? But I mean, dreams are incredibly suggestible spaces, right? So if I were to give you this like sugar pill, and tell you, I got this from my Tibetan Lama, Lama Yeshe. He got it from the Himalayas, from his teacher. And if you take this, you'll have a lucid dream. And if you had enough belief in the pill and what I was telling you, I'm sure you'd have a lucid dream that night. So I think we can harness the placebo effect. Um, but personally, yeah, I take those mushrooms like chaga and um, uh, reishi mushroom. I'll take them just with my dinner rather than my uh, breakfast, just so they're kind of in my system for the nighttime. As far as scientifically proved supplements, um, B vitamin, so especially B6, has been shown to increase blood flow to the parts of the brain that create dreaming. So if before bed you would take like a high-dose B6 supplement, or to be honest, although this is a slippery slope for you know popping pills for your spiritual practice, but if you were to wake up after four and a half hours of sleep and then like take like a B vitamin, like high-dose B vitamin supplement and go back to bed, you would notice a big effect on your dream. And that's how they did it in the scientific studies. I mean, B vitamins, you know, whether you're veggie, vegan, or meat eater, most people are short on B vitamins anyway. So it's a good supplement to take. So I'm kind of like, look, if I'm going to take it anyway, and it also has a side effect that give me, you know, increasing my dream time, then that's great. Mm. So I think that can be good. And if you get it from natural sources, think that you've had like a kale smoothie or something before bed, that's got loads of Bs in it. Um, raw cacao has got like copper, iodine, B vitamins, magnesium is another big one for sleep and dream. So this is a disgusting mixture. So I'm not telling people to do this. But if you mix like kale juice with raw cacao with an almond butter paste, because almond has also got loads of bees, it's disgusting. But you drink that before bed, your brain is going to be full of the, the good dream stuff. And it's totally natural. So who knows? And it doesn't if you're brave keep... enough to try it, that smoothie could be good. It doesn't keep you awake? The cacao, yeah. Doesn't cacao, like, I thought it wakes you up because of the bees. That's why I like, because I, I, I love this, because I, I don't take bees at night because I'm just like, oh, I don't want to stay awake yeah. or something. I don't know why I thought that. Yeah, so this is, I mean, these are energy boosters, right? But they're not actually like, they're not actually going to keep you awake. They're going to, bees like help help release energy from food. But sometimes mm. because we've got this idea that they give us energy, oh. sometimes people can feel their effect, their sleep. Again, whether that's just the suggestibility of it or whether it is something. I Personally, I, I promote a completely natural approach. So like I'm not, I, I don't think we should take these pills. I think unless it's like a vitamin pill, like I said, that's good for us anyway. And you want to try the smoothie idea before bed. But the techniques kind of work. So if the techniques work, then... That's enough. But if they're natural supplements, why not give it a shot? I mean, the, the reason I'm saying this with some uh, trepidation, with some like caution, 
is because I've got a feeling that you people listening to this may be asking about there's a supplement called galantamine, mm. which can be naturally derived. It's from the red tiger lily. It's really big on lucid dreaming circuits. And when you hear people talk about supplements, they go straight to galantamine. I always divert the question to B vitamins for as, for as long as I can. But I think it's worth saying there is, there is a, a supplement, a, a um, medication. It's actually an anti-Alzheimer's medication. But if you take it when you don't have Alzheimer's, you don't have memory problems, it like boosts um, blood flow to the memory centers of the brain. And lucid dreaming is essentially a memory practice. It's like, can you remember in the dream what your dream signs are? Can you remember to recognize that you're dreaming? So there are some people who like wake up in the middle of the night and pop these galantamine capsules and it gives you lucid dreams. Um, so that, that does exist. What I would say with that is that's a really slippery slope. That's like you're waking up in the middle of the night, you're taking a pill for your spiritual practice. And when I've tried galantamine, it's like, it feels like you're drunk in there. Like even your ability to fly through the sky is like really low. Mm-hmm. Kind of your energy keeps dropping. So yeah, I, I wouldn't advise that. But yeah, natural supplements, magnesium, bees, the chaga mushrooms you're taking, those can be great. Mm, um, is there, has there been, and I know you work with veterans as well, so we can kind of pull that in, but like uh, talking about taking things during the night, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, is there work around dreams and addiction and like just kind of rewiring those more serious things that people might be dealing with? Yes, possibly. Um, I haven't actually done any work directly with addiction, but I've done a lot of work with people with trauma. And the link between trauma and addiction is quite high. We find, it, I mean, in some cases, it's, it's like that. Let's look at addiction first. The, the one case study I have seen with addiction was a guy working with nicotine addiction. And he used the lucid dream state to meet his brain. Now, he had asked me what to do. And I said, okay, so the lucid dream state is like a state of hypnosis. So anything you can treat through hypnotherapy, you can treat through lucid dreaming. So maybe become lucid and then in the lucid dream, call out to the dream, I live a healthy lifestyle free of the addiction of cigarettes. And just keep on yelling that out. and Let that be like the hypnotic suggestion to permeate your unconscious mind. This dude went one step further and it was so cool he did this. He was thinking, well, that, that's okay, but I think the problem's in my brain. I feel like the addiction is rooted in my brain. So he became lucid and he called out to meet his brain. Now, the cool thing about the lucid dream is you can meet personifications of psychological concepts. So you can meet your fear. You can meet sexual shame. You can meet um, lack of self-worth. And they will appear in phys- seemingly physicalized form. Maybe it's like a ball of red smoke or maybe as you as a child, or maybe as the bully from school. I mean, it's amazing how they, how they show up. But this is the first time I've heard someone meeting an organ. The dude met his brain, and he calls out, my brain, I want to meet my brain. And this woman appears, just like totally normal-looking woman, similar age to him. I think he was kind of late 30s at the time. And he looks at her, and she, he's like, are you my brain? She goes, yep. And he goes, oh, well, uh, look, how am I doing? Because he, he actually, by his own um, admittance, uh, was a bit of a hypochondriac. He was kind of worried he had all these diseases. So he went to ask his brain, like, how am I, first of all? And his brain went, actually, you're fine. But you know what you need to stop? And he goes, the cigarettes. And his brain goes, mm-hmm. And his brain was like sassy. <laughs> actually, he's quite sassy too, so that kind of makes sense. This guy's called Antonio, brilliant, brilliant guy. You'll see it, he's featured in the second book, actually. So Antonio's brain is like, mm-hmm. And he's, okay, well, look, you're my brain. Um, anytime I think of cigarettes or anytime I like, want a cigarette, just make me think of something else. Make me do something else. And his brain goes, okay, cool. 
and he wakes up. It's that long, maybe a 30-second lucid dream, or however long that was for me to, to tell you to do one minute or something. And the next day he emails me and he's like, it's been a whole day, I haven't had a cigarette. Now, I did some hypnotherapy training in my 20s. So I'm aware that of how kind of addiction, a little, little bit aware of how addiction works and stuff. And I know that nicotine addiction is a tricky one. There's the social addiction, there's doing something with your hands, there's literally the nicotine, there's the cigarettes themselves. So to be honest, I didn't believe him. I was like, okay, well, that's brilliant, man. I rejoice in your lucid dream. Let me know how you get on in like two weeks. I'm thinking two weeks later, come on, he's going to have had a cigarette. And two weeks later, no, two months later, he emails me again. And he's like, it's been two months. I'm still not smoking. And this time I was writing the second book and I thought, okay, this is like a great case study if, if, if this guy's telling the truth. So I said, okay, can I come, can we meet up? Um, and also like, who do you live with? Because I wanted to check whether this was true. So he said he lives with his partner and his partner's called Charlie too. And so I spoke to him and I spoke to his partner, Charlie, and the, the story worked out and his partner said, oh, but something weird's happened. So in the last two months, like I'm, I'm still smoking around Antonio and he's not had a cigarette, but he usually does our weekly shop. He says, I like write down what we need from the, from the supermarket and he goes out and get it. And for the last few weeks, every week he comes back, he's forgotten my cigarettes. Like, why is that? It's becoming a thing. And at the time, I kind of laughed it off. And then later, I was watching this thing. It was actually about Darren Brown, famous um, UK-based uh, hypnotist, like show hypnotist. And he talks about negative hallucination and that sometimes a hypnotic suggestion is implanted so deeply that the subject will literally not see what you've hypnotized them not to see. So Antonio kept saying, you didn't write down cigarettes on the shopping list. So we think there may be a case for negative hallucination that he literally couldn't see the word cigarette. Who knows? But what wow. I do know is it's now been like years and I wheel out Antonio to all my talks in London to be like, here's the proof. He's still not smoking. <laughs> <laughs> and it That's seems incredible. to work. Actually, no, sorry. The last time I did that, this is quite funny. I'm going, um, oh, we've got Antonio in the building and he, it's been three years now. He's still not smoking. Antonio is doing this. <laughs> like, you know, doing like a cut, uh, cutthroat sign at me. And I'm like, I've gone too far. I've already said it. And I'm like, uh, Antonio, over to you. And he goes, um, I have actually had a cigarette. And I was like, oh, dude, you just smashed me. <laughs> and he went, but it's okay. It's been almost three years now. And I just wanted to check. I wanted to see what it would be like to have a cigarette. And I was like, okay, what happened? He said, I had two puffs. It was disgusting. I put it out. Yeah. And everyone cheered. So, wow. you know, he seems to be still, um, still nicotine addiction free. That's amazing. Whether that's possible... Whether it's possible with other addictions, I don't know. I, don't, I would hate to give false hope to anyone, but at least there's, there's a case study, one person who's done it. I know myself a few years ago, I had real problems around, uh, you know, sex and porn addiction that I just didn't know was an addiction. I was just like, this is just what it is. And then I started to look, I went, no, this, is, this isn't about, in my head, I was going like, uh, but I can't be a sex addict. I don't have enough sex. And I realized being an addict isn't about the frequency of which you engage in addictive substance. It's the pull it has over you. It's kept, could you stop? And I was like, oh, wow, I've got addictive tendencies here towards kind of, you know, mm -hmm. sex and porn and this kind of stuff. And for me, the lucid dream was really helpful to work with that, um, as well as waking state therapy. Um, but the lucid dream was really good because I could meet uh, my sexual shame. Because again, of course, a lot of addiction is actually rooted in shame. We're doing something to try and push down something we're ashamed of. And I was able to meet my sexual shame. And it looked exactly like I did when I was 17. Mm. It was me as a 17-year-old. And I, I know that because I had a very strange haircut at the time. I had this kind of really hippie haircut, I've like shaved at the size and a long ponytail. 
and I was crying. I was under a bridge like a little troll, like crying. And I was like, I'm here, I'm here. And I was reaching down. I was trying to take his hand to say, I love you, I love you, it's okay. And I couldn't quite reach him. And it was just so symbolic at the time that I could see the trauma that led to the addiction for that thing that happened when I was that age, but I couldn't quite reach it yet. So again, the way the dream was like a litmus test. It was a benchmark for how the, the, uh, the, the trauma integration was going. And now years later, it seems like that's like a, like a, uh, just a different landscape in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say it was just the lucid dreaming that, that healed that addiction and trauma, but it absolutely played a big part. I yeah. did not think we'd get on. No, I love that. that. Thank you for sharing that. No, that's no, that's perfect. And that's I do powerful. think that it is. Yeah, there's the. Sh- I, I want to talk about the shame and the shadow. And mm-hmm. you know, I know you're talking a lot about shadow work now, and a lot of Carl Jung's work. And that's something that you know, Carl Jung is one of the greats. So within that, did you recognize, or like, was that one of the first um, opportunities for shadow work that you consciously saw and understood? Or what has been your experience in integration or recognition of your shadow? Mm, Great question. So I got into shadow work pretty much at the same time I got into lucid dreaming, but I didn't know what it was. This is because like, I learned to lucid dream around the age like 15, 16. The first couple of years, I was just using it for like sex and skateboarding. I'd just be like really good at skateboarding and just having sex with everyone in the in the dream. Um, because I, it was before I got into Buddhism, as before I met my teacher. I didn't know. I was like 15. I was just like, oh, whoa, I've got access like a virtual reality simulation. It's a video simulation. game. Yeah, like it's truly. literally a video yeah. game. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll just do sex and skateboarding. Like my favorite thing was 16 years old. You know, I got pretty good at skateboarding. The other thing, not Safe so sex, much. man. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, same sex with yourself. So I was messing it. <laughs> so I was just messing about for the first couple of years. But then at that time, I got, before I got into Buddhism, I got really into drugs, like, you know, not kind of really heavy stuff, psychedelics, which I guess were just part of my mind searching for something bigger. Like, I just got this thing around 15 of like, there's got to be something bigger than this. It was just a, a, like a taste, an urge. I knew there was something bigger. And eventually that would lead me to Buddhism and living in a Buddhist center for eight years with the monks, nuns, and all that stuff. But the way there for me was actually psychedelics. Um, and it started to kind of open my mind to this. But unfortunately, because I was young, um, I took too much. I had like a classic overdose of literally just, just misjudging. It was like acid in um, LSD and a little mm-hmm. dropper, it was like liquid acid. And you used to put it on your tongue, like a little drop, like from, a, imagine like an eye, eye drop bottle, mm-hmm. looked like that. Tincture. And we're squeezing it and the, bot- the lid came off. I mean, this is something like in a movie, right? If you put this in a movie, you go, that never happens. Come on. Who wrote this script? It happened. So I don't know how much acid I took, but it, you know, maybe 10, 15 drops, whatever. And I'm trying to wipe it out of my mouth. I'm like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. I'm crying. And like, it was not a good look. And the experience itself was very traumatic. And I was tripping for like almost three days. And like, they had to like hide me from my parents and stuff. And like, it was, it was really, really bad. Wow. I mean, I told that story before. I want to get to, to the other thing. That led to really bad nightmares because um, I had like a full like near-death experience. I thought I had died. The trip was that I, I was I was dead and I was a ghost. And then when people speaking wow. to me, I thought they were speaking to a ghost. It was Ooh. like, you know, total psychosis. And after that, I had really bad panic attacks and I had really bad nightmares. But now looking back on it, kind of thank goodness because the panic attacks led me to get into Buddhism. I'd been aware of Buddhism before. It looked cool. I kind of thought that Shaolin monks were all Buddhists, so that's what they're good at kung fu and stuff. But the panic attacks led me to learn meditation because I thought I'd really need to kind of work with these panic attacks. 
the first time I really saw the healing potential of lucid dreaming was through my nightmares. I was having these recurrent nightmares and it was so bad. Like I was, I was scared to go to sleep. I was like eating coffee out of a, a um, out of the pot to try and keep myself awake because I was still so young. I didn't even like the taste of coffee, but I was trying to kind of, you know, keep myself awake. So it's getting really bad. And I'd read in these lucid dreaming books that you could use it to integrate trauma, that you could use to cure nightmares. And I thought, well, look, I've got to stop just messing about doing sex and skateboarding. I need to see if I can get lucid in one of these recurring nightmares where I'm back in the, the drugs overdose night. It was just this classic trauma of being back there at the night, the thing happening. Um, and I did finally manage to get lucid. No, sorry, I got lucid in three of them, but I had to bail. It, I, I knew I was dreaming, but it was just too traumatic. I couldn't stay there. But the fourth time I got lucid, I managed to stay in there. I turned and faced the fear and it just transformed. And the nightmare stopped like four, four months of post-traumatic stress nightmares, which I can now see were absolutely PTSD nightmares, mm -hmm. but I didn't know that at the time, cured in one lucid dream. So wow. actually right from the beginning, it was then I was like, oh shit, this is serious stuff. So now the reason I love working with veterans, I love working with people with trauma is because I know what it's like to be too scared to go to sleep. I know what it's mm -hmm. like to fear those nightmares. I know what it's like to wake up and it feels like, not you've had a nightmare, but that you've, it's happened again. You know, it's that you, you've actually been re-traumatized by it. So actually it was back then. And then eventually um, I started working with a Buddhist teacher who was also a Jungian uh, psychologist. And he introduced me to Jung and this idea of the shadow. And yes, we can meet it in our nightmares, but also he said in the lucid dream, you can actually call out to meet it. So I was like, wait, isn't that turning your lucid dream into a nightmare? And he said, you could look at it like that. You could look at it as you're, you're choosing to face your fear on your own terms. So he started to teach me to become lucid and actually intentionally go looking for the shadow. And yeah, that's what I talk about in, my, in the TED talk, actually. The first time I did that and the shadow turned up and I embraced it and it kind of turned into me. Mm, wow. Yeah, shadow work and lucid dreaming is so good. Whether you're working with nightmares or not, it's a brilliant way to go really deep into, into, um, into this spiritual work. I love choosing to face your fear on your own terms. Mm. I love that. Mm. That is so, that is so good. That's powerful. I think it's the... Probably the only way you can truly integrate. Mm -hmm. Now that I think about mm -hmm. it, because it, yeah. yeah, it's weird. I've I hypnotherapy. I can't. I've tried to do, and then past life regressions. I've tried to do, but I have this block where I, <laughs> I'm working on. I really have trust issues, and I cannot let someone else put me in that suggestive state. I just don't feel safe. So oh, yeah. dreaming is like the only yeah. time that I could really do any of that subconscious work. Whereas someone, you know, could do hypnotherapy or someone could do the other ones, but dreaming is like the only one where I feel I think there's the control thing, of course, but where I feel like spiritually safe yeah. to do my own yeah. work. Yeah. A really good point. And you're in there yeah, you're you're in there by yourself. Which for some people, that's scary. Some people will be listening. Like, oh God, no, I want someone to hold my hand. But for others, like I connect with that. I feel kind of the same. I'd rather be in the lucid dream, just me. And I know that the, the only thing there that, that, you know, the worst thing that happens is I'm eating my shadow. The scariest thing, sorry, the scariest thing that can happen is I'm eating my shadow. And also the best thing that can happen is I meet my shadow. It's like, it's all me in there. So I feel safe in there to do the work. Right. However, I should say, if someone gets lucid tonight and they call out shadow, come to me. Like, put your seatbelt on. Yeah, that's it's the, not I know. Be all I was going like, to say, you're making it sound like it's cute. You know, it's going to be tough work. <laughs> Do you, pers I guess yeah, then with yeah, that, I, <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, Shadow, come to me. It's like a puppy named Shadow. Um, it's it's a lot more. Do you, I guess is, then is the Shadow personified? You know, if you were like, Shadow, come to me, 
would it be, I guess it would be different for everyone in the way that they would best understand, but I could imagine it being you as a young child, you witnessing a situation mm-hmm. or you as or like a person or, or what, what have you, what's your experience with that? Yeah, it's so cool. I love hearing how people's shadows manifest. Um, and of course it will change. Mm-hmm. Like for me personally, um, like when I was doing a lot of stuff around uh, repressed anger and aggression, my shadow kept appearing with these like nightclub bouncers like really tough guys with like scars down their face and stuff. When I was working with sexuality, my shadow kept appearing as um, not even transsexual. I mean, he was morphing. He was literally naked form and the genitals were kind of morphing, male, Mm. female, male, female. So indicative of what I was working with at the time when I was looking at elements of my own sexuality. I was looking at elements of, of, um, yeah, of attraction to people of the same gender. And, and it was like, mm-hmm. that was what I was repressing. And of course, the shadow is anything that we repress, deny, or disown. So if at the moment you repress, deny, and disowning your child of trauma, it's going to pop up in the form representing that. If you are denying, repressing, disowning your hidden talents, it might turn up in that form. You know, we've talked, I've been talking mainly about the dark shadow here, but the golden shadow is a huge part of the shadow. Now, that's still what you repress, deny, disown, but it's the more overtly... Um, uh, beneficial parts. So for example, your hidden talents, your sexuality, your esoteric side, your intelligence, all these things that many people suppress for the same reason they suppress their dark shadow. They're scared of being judged. They're scared mm-hmm. of being um, rejected from the tribe. You know, if anyone's listening here, and I'm sure there'll be people who can connect with this. Does anyone ever hide their esoteric side from their friends or family, a fear of being labeled too woo? Like if you do, then you're making your esoteric side a shadow. It's going to be a golden shadow though. So if you get lucid and you call out for the shadow, maybe you're meeting your, you know, your inner guru. Um, and if people do want a slightly more sweet version of, of shadow work in the lucid dream, they can get lucid and call out golden shadow come to me. Um, wow. And then you're more likely to meet your kind of inner light than your inner darkness. However, it can be just as scary. I had a lady on a retreat once. She was really worried about meeting her inner monsters. And she was like, I'm just going to do golden shadow work. And I was like, okay. And she got lucid on the retreat. She called out golden shadow come to me. And this huge Buddha emerged. She said it was like a transformer emerging from the ground, like as big as a mountain. And it was radiating this light. She said she was terrified and she woke up with a complete start. So maybe meeting your golden shadow can someone just be, be just as scary. Wow. wow. I love that. Golden shadow. What's happening? I have two more questions. Uh, what's happening when you have that somatic experience after? I'm... As an example, I'm getting married next year, which I'm so excited about. But I've had these crazy, yeah, somatic dreams where I, that's not the crazy part, <laughs> uh, where I've had these crazy somatic dreams where I am like literally in love in my dream with someone else. And in the morning, I feel so in love still with someone else that I don't even know. It's like, I feel like, it's like, I feel unwell. You know, the feeling when you first fall in love with someone, you're like, it's just intoxicating. It's like that feeling again. And it's so weird because it's so physical. It's like this, like, it's like that feeling when there's like, when you meet your soulmate and it's like existence doesn't happen unless that other person is there. It's so powerful. Mm -hmm. So have you heard of that happening before someone gets married, them having like crazy somatic dreams? And also what are somatic dreams physically? So that's really interesting. So again, if we take this, um, like my idea of dreaming is both the Tibetan Buddhist view and the Jungian view 
and the Gestalt view, actually, all have this idea that everything the dream is you. Very different to the shamanic view and some religious views, which is that no dreams, you're accessing other realities, you're going to other places and stuff. But in my view of this, or, or the view of these other traditions too, if we look at the everything in the dream is you, then actually having a dream of falling in love is beautiful. Think about what that means. That's an aspect of you falling in love with another aspect of you and waking up with this deep longing to be with it again. Mm. It's like when people dream of sex, like very rarely is a sex dream actually about wanting to have sex with that person. It's about union. So like mm. if I have sex with it, if I, if I dream I'm having sex with a person, I don't wake up and think, oh, maybe I secretly fancy them, as we say in the UK. I'll go, what do they represent? Mm. I go, oh, okay, they represent, um, you know, whatever is joy. Oh, so I had a dream of like, you know, making, having union with my sense of joy. Or I'll, maybe sometimes when you have these dreams or you have sex dreams and you think, God, I'm really not into that person. They actually quite annoy me. Why do I have a sex dream? Okay, so what do they represent? They represent irritation. They represent annoyance. They represent, you know, whatever it is. And you can say, okay, so what part of me last night was in union with that aspect of me? And it can, that can be a very positive sign that you were connecting with that. You know, you, you were loving that part of you. Um, but very interesting, you've got this wedding coming up and you're having these dreams about, you know, falling in love. But I think it can be very positive. It's an aspect of yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're learning to love yourself. You're, you are falling in love with an aspect of yourself. I think it can be beautiful. And as far as your question, why do we wake up with this feeling in the body? Because th this is how it manifests. You know, we think of, of dreams happening in like a mental space because we tend to see our dreams and they're quite visual, but actually they're being experienced in the body. They're literally created by the body. They're created by the brain. So if someone's having like a crazy dream, adrenaline is released in the same way. You know, oxytocin is released in the same way. So if you fell in love in your dream, you're going to wake up with a body full of oxytocin, just like if you were to fall in love in the waking state. So the body kind of reflects this. Um, and in, that's why lucid dreaming is so powerful, because you can almost choose what what chemicals you want to be released into the body. You know, you can spend your lucid dream doing joyful things, being kind to people, doing a meditation practice, and you wake up feeling amazing. Or you can use your lucid dreams to do scary stuff and still wake up feeling amazing because you've integrated a fear. Wow. Yeah, I love that point about that feeling in the body because sometimes I think we, and I'll just say from my experience, like I'll wake up from dreams and overanalyze and just be like, uh-oh, what does that mean about me or about another person? And yeah, I just love that point of how does it feel in your body? And I, this is a weird example, but hopefully people have these too, where when I was really like appreciating my body more and like kind of quote unquote falling more in love with like just what my body is, what it does, like, and kind of getting out of that stage of like, you know, just always nitpicking things about my body. I was having a lot of dreams where I was like physical with another female, but I didn't know who it was. So it was like me, but not me. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of like this honoring and appreciation of the body. And it wasn't like this crazy, like sexual thing. It was just like this really beautiful experience. And I was like, oh, and I, I remember waking up from them kind of overanalyzing, being like, oh my God, like, what did that mean? And like, now it's talking about it. Like, I further understand that like, that was a reflection of me. That's such a good example. It's such a good example of, of, of this point, but it's also such a good example of how we naturally tend to pathologize the content of the dream. And this is, this is a societal thing. 
You know, we grow up in a society where we use terms like it's just a dream. You're a dreamer in your dreams. We use the term dream as a pejorative. You know, it's not something, you know, it's just a dream. Like, I think sometimes with kids and their nightmares, it can be helpful to say, you know, it, it was only a dream. It wasn't happening in real life. But it creates a view of dreams, which is pathologized, a view of dreaming itself. And we tend to, because of the way we're, we're, we're wired, you know, the brain is like Velcro for the negative and like Teflon for the positive. So this is linked to our survival. So we wake from a dream like that and we, we instantly think maybe there's something wrong. You know, maybe we start overanalyzing it. Whereas I've heard people with dreams that seem absolutely shocking, which have been so positive. For example, there's a woman who kept on having your dreams about beheading her mother. And she was saying, look, I'm having like once a week, Charlie. This is terrible. I love my mom. I mean, she kind of, she's kind of a bit too much, but I love her. But I, I keep on beheading her in my dream. I say, how do you feel when you wake up? She went, That's the worst thing. I feel great. I should feel terrible. I've been beheading my mom. I thought, okay, this is really interesting because she's got this feeling good in the waking state. And I said, you said your mom was a bit too much. Tell me about that. And she went, well, it's weird actually because these dreams started a few months ago. I said, okay, what, what? do you know what, what happened in your life when they started? She went, yeah, I've been doing this new women's group, which is especially for women who are struggling to get out from under the wing of their mother. My mother's quite overburdening. You know, she's always like clinging and she won't kind of really let me grow up. So I've been doing all this work with the women's group. But ever since I started doing this work, I had these beheading dreams. And I was like, okay, so it's not really your mom. It's what your mom And what you're doing is severing the head. You are, you're severing it clean, that connection between the overburdening mother and yourself, that's a brilliant sign. That's showing that the women's group is doing really good work for you. And she was like, oh, and that's why I wake up feeling good. She was so ashamed she hadn't told anyone else that dream because she thought people would think she wants to murder her mom. You know, we instantly think that the, the dreams are a negative when so often even a dream of beheading your mom could be an incredibly positive dream if your mom represented, you know, what she did in this case. So yeah, I, you know, give, give the dream the benefit of the doubt. Your mind loves you. The dreamer loves you. We dream so we can integrate the day's events. We dream so we can learn. We dream so we can grow. Mm. The dream doesn't mean to scare us. The dream doesn't mean to freak us out. It means to extend the hand of friendship. And if we can extend our hand back, this stuff can change your life. That was beautiful. That was a good ending. That was so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this was so much fun. I feel, I'm so excited to share this with our community. It was just hit on everything we wanted to talk about and was so beautiful and informational. And you've really helped me. You know, you've really helped me in my um, dream healing. So thank you so much. Um, Where can our listeners find you? Where can they get your books? Tell us all the things that you're working on that they can be excited about. Sure thing. First of all, I'd like to thank you. It's very interesting to do an interview with people who are willing to share themselves and not just like, we're here to ask you a set of questions. This is, this is how all interviews should be, right? Where we're literally sharing our dreams together. We're like, oh, I think this, I think this. Have you thought about this? This has been really lovely. So thank you so much, first of all. Thank um, you. And then your question was, oh yeah. So like <laughs> I'm on Instagram and Facebook and website and stuff like that. Charlie Morley is my name. But apparently if you forget my last name, if you just put Charlie Lucid Dreaming into Google, all my stuff comes up apparently. So there you go. Ooh, Ooh. SEO. Man. I think I'm, I'm the only Charlie in the Lucid Dreaming world. <laughs> <laughs> and you have really good, um, really good uh, videos on Gaia. So you guys can search for Charlie on Gaia. And then you're doing shadow workshops now. Might not get out. I, I'm not sure the timing on this, but what are your shadow work workshops? Yeah, the next thing, this is in a couple of weeks. I don't know when this is coming out, but on October, I think the weekend of October the 23rd, I've got an online uh, shadow retreat. 
but that's specifically looking at shadow work with some dream work, but like 80% is not lucid dreaming, mm. just the shadow work. Um, and then I've got a six-week course for stress or trauma-affected sleep happening at the moment, which has got like 60 military people on it actually, but 30 non-military too. So this lovely mix of, of both military and non-military people all working with the same thing, trying to sleep a little bit better. But actually that's my last thing for the year as far as live stuff. Because I've got a book to write. I've got my deadline is like January the 1st. So I've got to knuckle down and write this book. And I've got loads of pre-recorded online stuff. I've got a really big new course coming out with Mind Valley, either at the end of this year or early or January 2021. Um, that's really, really high quality course. So that's coming out in January or until then, I've got like a seven-week lucid dreaming course, seven-week shadow course, all like pre-recorded video courses. And you can find it all on my website. Amazing. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you guys. <laughs> we will see you soon. And Charlie, have a great rest of your night. You got about to, about to get into your dream state. <laughs> awesome. We'll see you later. See ya. Bye. Bye. Such a good one with Charlie Morley. So again, send this to a friend who is dream obsessed, who you've been talking about with dreams. I'm sure they would be into it. Yeah, you can learn more at charliemorley.com. And for everyone that is home and just wanting to learn more, go deeper, maybe meet other people in community virtually. We have our new Paradigm Digital Workshop series. Our next one is with Ngazi and we are doing a workshop on poetic medicine. This is going to be super interactive. If you've been finding it hard to like journal and just write down your feelings and thoughts, um, this will be kind of that extra yeah. push and support. So I'm excited about that. You can learn more at almost30.com. Click on our events tab. And then thank you so much to our sponsors. Um, if you guys have been with us for a while, you know that we really support and use all of our sponsors' products and programs, brands, and we believe in them. And thank you for trusting us. Drops, Gem. Sakara, Hawthorne, First Leaf, and DoorDash supported the show today. So you can find out the discounts on almost30.com as well as in our show notes, especially with the holidays coming up, if you're wanting to buy gifts, etc. cetera. Um, we just have some incredible brands with discounts. Yeah, you can basically try Almost 30 on all of those and get your discount. So we'll see you next time. We love you so much. Goodbye. Love you. 